Welcome to the GRBN Haunted Garage Sale. Uh, this is something that we do every year. It's a holiday tradition, if I do say so myself. That's right, Lucky. Everything must ghoul. <laughs> We've collected all of the most creepy, haunted, cursed artifacts from our personal lives. We cleared out the GRBN Haunted Attic, the Haunted mm-hmm. Boudoir, the Haunted right. Cellar, the Haunted mm-hmm. Subcellar. I opened up both my trunks, both car and wooden. And flesh. Maybe. So we're going to take you through some of these items. And if you want to purchase any of these items, you come on down to the GRBN headquarters and we'll give you a good deal. Tell them when you get on, when you get down here, tell them Max sent you. Because I won't remember saying this. Well, let's take a look at some of these items. Lucky, what? tell me, tell me what I'm looking at here. So the first thing I have, Mac, this is a staple. You see this behind me every time we're recording in the studio. This is my haunted mermaid lamp. Now, ah. I know, I know, you can't believe I'm getting rid of it. It's just such an amazing piece. Iconic. But the only issue is that, you know, I obviously can't control when the light turns on and off. It's it's random. And I mm-hmm. did or I did recently realize that it is Morse code for all of the lyrics of Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl. Not something I really need in my life anymore. Yeah, you, um, I mean, you still love Gwen Stefani. Obvi, 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 obvi. And sometimes my day does get bananas, and it's important to think about that. But, you know, the song is part of my heart, and it doesn't need to be a part of my studio. Okay, and what's that going for? What's the price tag on there? Three downloads. Now, obviously, this is an amazing piece, but I'd like to see what you brought to the table, Mac. What are you offering uh, to the fan base? Well, as you might have noticed, behind me, I have got my entire collection of haunted dolls. That's right, I am selling all 101 of them, because I just thought, you know, how many... Haunted dolls do you really need? Because I'm thinking three will do. Three is going to do me. Right. One for morning, one for afternoon, and one for night, if you know what I mean. So you want like a sexy ghost in the final one. How many sexy ghost models are there in these 101? And is there a scary woman with white hair trying to hunt these down by chance? No comment on the scary woman. Plead the fifth on that one. But I do have this one doll that looks suspiciously like you, Lucky. Would you like to buy this one? what the fuck? No, why does it look exactly like me? That's really creepy. My oh, God. Quite a head on my shoulders. Nyuck, 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 nyuck. Oh, it's talking. Oh, and it, it sounds, sounds just like you. It's got your it voice. It sounds exactly like me. And even the little catchphrase that I do every time that I edit out. That joke's getting cut, Mac. Whoa, it's like your, it's like your voice Whoa. is inside of the puppet. That's crazy. I can't believe it. How scary. How, how much is that going for? I mean, I'm going to have to buy it because I don't want anyone else to own this, I guess. <laughs> it's a very rare lucky collector's item. So, <laughs> 400 euros the sandwich 400 sandwiches you can ship those to our p.o box which is there'll be a link to our p.o box in the episode description if you're interested in the lucky doll but uh, for now we're going to put that one back on the shelf i see that you've set up a little bargain bin over here what's in the what's in the bargains now lucky now um this is a little shameless but this is actually the um the haunted grbn merch Um, as you as you know we're not super sure it's haunted we haven't seen any signs of it yet so just buy it there's got to be a reason that people aren't buying it. I put a couple things in the bargain bin, too. Uh, these gloves will make you a virtuoso at the piano. However, you can never take them off again. And the fingers look like hot dogs. So everyone thinks you're kind of a pervert. I guess I wouldn't. Now, let's talk about that. That's interesting. Why would that automatically make somebody a pervert? Well, imagine the next time you want to have intimate relations with a woman you take off all of your clothes except for your hot dog gloves and then you say these stay on 
well, then they're clearly part of the lovemaking. I think there's an insinuation there with their tone of voice. I'm just saying, if I saw somebody walking down the street with hot dog fingers, I would think professional dog trainer, hot dog enthusiast. I don't know if it would immediately turn sexual. Haunted garage sale attendee. Yeah, of course. Uh, oh, here's something at the bottom. I forgot about this one. This is a haunted photo album that shows you how you die. But don't open mm. it here because I looked once inside of it and I saw a photo of me dying while looking at a photo album. So just the further away and the sooner that that gets bought, the better. That's half off right now. Is that why that guy raided my house for all photo albums? That was strange. I was wondering what that was. Oh, yeah. Once you have the secret to my death, then game over, man. Game over. Kind of like a Dorian Gray situation. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dorian Gay. I'm, I was just, I was, I, I, <laughs> you stole that gay joke right out from under me. <laughs> so sorry. It's, sorry. It's like you, it's like you spiked the volleyball over towards me on that one and then it slipped right under underneath the net. The net. Yeah. <laughs> Boink, gotcha. It's Halloween, baby. It's tricks and treats. This here, Lucky, you'll find this interesting. This is a skull. And end of description. It's a dead man's skull, Lucky. What's not scary about that? I'm not very spooked by skulls. Is it chattering and chittering? Does it have emerald eyes? Is it floating out of your hand with flames coming around it? I mean, it was once covered in flesh. Its owner died. And now it's like it's it's on a shelf. It's scary. You're explaining life. None of this bothers me. (sighs) How many can I sign you up for? I have one already. I'm good. I sit <laughs> with my one skull. Lucky, you're the man who taught me that if you have two of something, you really only have one of something. And if you have one of something, then you have none. Right. I have that tattooed on my chest. Shit, that's a good point. For all of you real Halloween fans and real fans of GRBN, this one is going to knock your socks off. This is a cursed romance book that I can't use anymore, unfortunately. And you shouldn't either, because otherwise... You will be stuck inside of a romance podcast forever. Mm-hmm. But let's just take a quick peek inside. Just see if there's it's a first edition or not. Just real quick for the people at home. Oh, no. Lucky. Oh, lucky. I just had the strangest dream. Well, don't worry, Mac. It's uh, your favorite time of week. It's GRBN. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, sorry, go ahead. Welcome back to the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook, a journey into love and literature. I am your co-host, Lucky, and with me, as always... And I am Mac Wani, your ghostest with the ghostest. We are reading Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion, and we have reached our second act. Mac, if that first reading was an amuse-bouche, this was like the main course with a second main course... And then they give you dessert and then give you another turkey on top of it. There was so much content in this middle chunk of reading. And just in general, before you get into the recap, I want to say that I liked half of it. So it really was like a (laughs) meal where it's like, oh, half turkey dinner, half gruel. But it's all just served on the same plate. It's all just mixed together. Ghoul lalash. Well, before we get fully into the review, I do want to say one thing to our adoring fans out there. This it's wet and wild and wacky, so just bear with me. A lot's going to happen in this reading, so just try to keep up as we go. It's rated fairly PG-13. There's just a lot of twists and turns and con- like things happening, oh. metaphysical ideas. There's just going to be a lot to discuss. Yeah. So, Like most of the books we read, if you hadn't read the book or heard of it and you just listened to our descriptions, you would think we were making up 
parts of it, I think, especially for this book. Oh, especially literally the very first thing I'm about to say. So here we go. Here is our reading and review for the second part of Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion. Get some brains brought to you by Zomtown. In a strange twist of events, we return to Julie attempting to teach R how to drive stick shift while one of his children tries to eat her from the back seat. They knock over part of the Boonies church, see R's wife holding hands with a new man, and seem to get away unnoticed or at least ignored. This felt like a fever dream to me because <laughs> as soon as I started reading this, I was like, oh, okay, so he's, like, dreaming now. This is what he wants his life to be like. There was no connection to being able to drive. It was so insane. Well, and we take breaks between the readings. So it's been, like, a week and a half since I read this book. And, I like, I remember that it's about, like, a woman, a human woman falling in love with a zombie boy. But suddenly they're driving in a car with zombie (laughs) children in the back seat. It was, like, diving into a cold lake on a hot day. Yeah, it was shocking. I had to reread that first part of that chapter multiple times to just wrap my head around the fact that this was really happening in the story. I went, I clicked back through the, the previous chapter on my Kindle to be like, where did we, where did we leave <laughs> off? What happening? happened before? Yeah. They were like having a date and listening to music, and then all of a sudden they're driving around the airport in full view of all the zombies. Which I guess, which threw me because they had to sneak into the airport when Zomboy saved her. And it was right. like, don't let them see you. But- it's cool if we get in this vintage Mercedes and go for a joyride and literally crash into their church. Their church. The thing that they like most care about. The crypt church. The crypt keeper's church. That's where the crypt keeper is at the pulpit. I think I think you mean the tomb fist. lurkers. The tomb lurkers. The legally church. distinguishable from the crypt keeper. The tomb lurker. This is a GRBN first. Our first official character, the tomb lurker. Legally distinguishable. The first character that we won't get sued over. Fingers crossed. After the failed driving test, R puts on some smooth music back in the 747 as Julie again grills him about who killed her BF, Perry. While R is unable to put himself out there and admit his faults, Julie confesses Perry's death was actually a good thing. He was basically dead already. She then goes on to equate R to speaking with God, an internal decision that surely won't affect her negatively. We've been getting a lot of flashbacks of Perry since R ate his brain. And it doesn't seem like he would appreciate Julie saying that about him. That was a troublesome moment. That was a big red flag for me. If you're starting to date somebody and they start referring to you as if speaking with God, that's a warning sign, folks. Well, and it's indicated in this reading that Perry is somehow alive still inside of R and is maybe perceiving things, at least from R's perspective. So imagine you're inside this zombie's body. First off, that's a huge leap. But imagine that. Then imagine that your ex-girlfriend is like, I'm glad you're dead. But talking to this walking corpse is so much better than talking to my ex-boyfriend, Perry. It's like talking to God. Be kind of a sad turn of events after your untimely demise at the hands of a zombie's mouth. By being eaten by this specific zombie. By having your yeah, brain be eaten good. by a zombie, yeah. Becoming zombie. Zombie once told me the world was gonna eat me. He ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. I mean, he's got no brain. <laughs> yeah, 90% of the song could stay the same. Smash Mouth uh, is forever. After DJing a sick beat to speak to Julie more fluently, R wanders off into the airport to sleep. But this night, a new sensation strikes him, that of a dream. He sees flashes of his old life, subtle faces and indistinguishable sounds, but nothing he can hold on to. He's awoken to the sound of his wife and her new lover making waves in the staff room as he indulges in his final piece of Perry brain. 
It's worth noting very quickly that in the zombie society, they don't have a sense of being a cuck. It's like people just have (laughs) sex with other people. They abandon their kids. It's not like she was cheating on him in the strictest sense of the word. It's interesting because, you know, he is married. Julie asks him about it. Like, why don't you feel bad about this? He's like, no feel or whatever his zombie voice sounds like. But there is a moment where he talks about him discovering his wife and this new man forces him into this sleep. Like the emotional drainage of his internal psyche caused him to do this zombie sleep. And I thought that was interesting. Like, oh, so he, it did affect him in some way. I think. But he also brought this woman home. I mean, uh, I think in terms of zombie society, it shouldn't it shouldn't affect him. But he's becoming oh. more human. So it's like a marker of progress towards his becoming a real boy. Pinocchio style. R is swept away to Perry's final memories, the ones he holds most dear, which happened to be his own death. R laments at viewing a scene he fears when something new happens. Dream Perry actually responds to him. In the final throes of death, the last piece of Perry's brain details the many lives and deaths across the metaphysical spectrum as R is forced to watch himself murder the man his new love loved. And this is where (laughs) things got a little complicated for me because Perry goes on to talk about this for a second, how his consciousness is living through R. So technically he's alive. Oh, beans. Yeah. Basically, the zombie ate the brain and now the brains are somehow merging that he he essentially absorbed some of his essence. (laughs) Much like the Skeksis in the Dark Crystal. Yeah, and I would just like to recommend Dark Crystal for anyone who hasn't seen it. Email Netflix and tell and the them show. to renew the Dark Crystal. If our fan base achieves anything, <laughs> anything from this journey, I want it to be the revitalization of the Dark Crystal TV show. I've said it. We're taking a lot of stances this episode. I'm feeling very <laughs> empowered right now. We only have five episodes left after this one. <laughs> we have to really hammer home what we believe in. It's time that we finally come out with our political platform. The first one is Bring Back Dark Crystal. <laughs> After another fitful sleep, R is awoken to the sound of screaming, but with a faint glimmer of hope left in the voice. Oh no, Julie! He rushes to the sound, finding Julie surrounded by a group of hungry zombies. He quickly dispatches three of them, getting himself in between the attackers and his new woman. Most of the zombies back off, until one of them rises to challenge him. It's his old-time pal, M. As they stand off against each other, a group of bonies shambles to the scene. One of the ghoulies shows R a Polaroid slideshow of death, decay, and tragedy of the zombie people. R stands his ground, not swayed by his elders. They abruptly turn and shamble on down the airport terminal. With the tension broken, Julie tells R she needs to leave. While sad, R seems to understand, and they embrace. Yeah, she can't live in the heart of a zombie colony for too much longer. Yeah, and and R kind of talks, I guess, in his internal monologue. He's like, "Uh, what if? Maybe. Like, he didn't really have a plan, but he was kind of hoping it just worked out. Yeah, there's no solution with the end of that sentence except, what if maybe I turn you into zombie? Oh, if that's how this book ends, I'm going to be very disappointed. If it ends with her becoming a zombie and not him becoming human, I'm going to be a little... After all of this, they're changing, like, physically, mentally, and then revert back, and they're all zombies. They infiltrate the town, and everyone dies. Julie postpones her departure until the recent murder dust has settled, giving the two an opportunity to talk about the world before the apocalypse. R tells Julie he wants to come with her, but he needs to do some thinking. 
He heads out to find M, hoping to clear the air after their fight. He and M are able to patch things up quickly, as M pressures R about what's going on with him. R admits for the first time he's in love with Julie and tells M he plans to leave with her. M begrudgingly approves, imploring R return to the zombie hive once he discovers the change happening to his body. Zombuberty, as it were. On the day of their departure, the entire hive of zombies line the hallways to witness. M stands as bodyguard as they slowly make their way out, to little hesitation from the flesh zombies. However, as they exit the loading dock and approach freedom, the familiar rumble of the bonies strikes fear in both R and Julie. The bonies, all of them, more than R has ever seen, form a barrier blocking them from the exit. They rumble at R that they will kill Julie, as it has been, should be, and will always be. Faced with this decision, R grabs Julie and all three begin to flee. M sacrifices himself to the bonies, fighting them off with his tremendous strength, as R and Julie make it to their aforementioned Mercedes. Yeah, he runs for the first time, evolving from old Dawn of the Dead zombie to Dawn of the Dead remake zombie. Running zombies, just a little side note, are definitely the most terrifying kind. The, the zombie movies like the Rage Virus, where they're like climbing and just running and vomiting blood at you. I mean, come on, give humans a chance. Give me slow zombies. I love in zombie movies when they don't use the word zombie. Do they not have movies in this world before this apocalypse? Like, what, what do you call the, the shambling mass of dead roaming the earth? We call them walkers. They're zombies. Please don't. Yeah, Shamblers is another one from, I think it's a video game. Like, look how the Shamblers are coming. I mean, come on. There's media. We know about zombies. They're the the infected. They've come in. It's a a zombie. And people that like mince hairs on that, it's like, would you really care when it's like eating your stomach out? Like, oh, no. Quick, get that zombie off of Rick. Oh, oh, he's actually a a walker. He's infected with with the rage. Oh, he's infected with the rage virus. He didn't actually die. He'll come back to life. Semantics. (laughs) Luckily, the old beast kicks to life quickly as R peels out, something he's not been able to do in his undead state. They crash through a group of bonies, saving M, making their way out onto the open road. Finally free of the airport hive, R and Julie cruise down old Highway 99, getting drenched from an incoming storm. They decide to pull off into the suburbs for the evening, enjoying time in a stranger's home as Julie takes pictures of R with a stolen bony Polaroid. Julie confronts R about his lack of human consumption and the changes even she's noticing. R then relives a previous moment with M in his memories, but much more fleshed out. In this section of reading, R has more elaborate fantasies and memories and dreams that he starts hearing different voices. And I think this is like the first incident of like totally separated from reality because Perry kind of started talking to him before but it's like is that a dream this is I mean he's really remembering something that happened it's I think it's a representation that his subconscious is coming to life as much as his physical body Mm -hmm. seems to be because he's running yeah he is feeling a something stir inside of him his heart he pervs R settles in for a night of staring at the ceiling when Julie shyly calls to him inviting him to share the bed with her He contemplates his newfound focus and memory retention while in bed with Julie. (laughs) So not quite human yet. (laughs) Um, But I do like the his anxiety that he feels when she's like, you know, I'm kind of scared. You know, I'm just offering you a side of the bed. If you want to be on your side of the bed, I'll be on my side of the bed. 
And he's like, is she testing me? What is this? Is this some sort of, how do I feel about this? When like mm-hmm. for the reader, it's like, she's into you, man. She's into you. It's happening, dude. Finally. Girls what don't invite wanted. boys to share a bed with them in this situation unless there's like a little bit of. Well, and she strips down to her underwear. Like, I mean, I know he's a zombie, but she's yeah. definitely shown and interest in him and she's like undressing. Him. She like lays down and is like, oh, these clothes are still a little wet. Hold on. I need to take them off. <laughs> and then comes back in her like, you know, underwear. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's still dead at this it, point. It'd be so. funny if he was like, my clothes wet, too. And then it takes him an hour to like slowly <laughs> peel off his shirt to reveal like a gaping <laughs> wound. That night, R has a Perry dream, but without consuming any more Perry noodle. <sighs> It seems Perry is now part of R. Living in his consciousness is a final form of life. R dreams of Perry meeting Julie's father and his disappointment in living. The next morning, Julie calls up her military father who freaks the F out, discovering Julie is alive. Because the phones work. Yeah, the phone lines. Well, they do. There's like an off shot one sentence where she's like, oh, yeah, we had to keep the phones up. <laughs> like. I just feel like this book is all over the place because it's like talking about how the some cities are like completely overgrown and look like the jungle and other ones are like still functioning. So the society is in a very weird place that's not clearly defined in the book, but the phones work, whatever. That just should have been established earlier in the in the story. Because we find out, too, in the later portion of this reading that there are other stadiums, other hideouts that they're all trying to connect together. And it's like, oh, well, OK, I thought this was the last vestige of human life. So you're telling me there's a bunch of these hideouts? This it, it, it does feel all of this means that theoretically the phones at the airport worked and she never, ever thought to try and find one, which I think is unrealistic. Or she was falling in love, Mac. Hmm. Love. Julie sends R to get gas alone, insinuating she needs <laughs> it's time pronounced to pronounced gasoline, Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. He needs to get some gasoline for his automobile. Okay. Fine, let me try again. Julie sends R to get gasoline alone, insinuating she needs time to think. But when R returns, he finds Julie and the Mercedes are gone. Julie leaves two Polaroids and a note he can't read as her final goodbyes to R. Staggering back to the airport through a thunderstorm, R is surprised when Twist! M and nine other zombies appear in front of him. Together, they reveal the change in R has started affecting all of them. M is even having dreams of his past. He's started a revolution. We're kids of America. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me of that. Just they're getting freaky and funky. Run dead in America. <laughs> We're doing a lot of like musical zombification. We've got to be careful to make them parodies, though, and not just be singing yeah. actual lyrics to songs. Right. We're the Zombies of America is what I meant to say. Written by Zombie Eilish. <laughs> okay. So that's like Billie Eilish, but a zombie. Okay. And there's a rap yeah. book by Zombie Nas X. Not little anymore. <laughs> He's big and dead. I know we're getting way off topic here, but what of Lil Nas X's famous outfits would you like to see him become undead in? Okay. So Met Gala 2021. <laughs> He comes uh-huh. in with the big robe covering everything, and you're like, oh, I bet he's got that yeah. plate of gold under there again. Pops it off, full skeleton from the neck down. Whoa. He's fully boned okay. up. But it, so he still has the cloak, though, so he, he can use that. <laughs> but he's all covered up. I like he that. He gets chilly, windy. It's windy nice. in the empty bones. When the wind howls through yeah. your head cage, you start to feel a little a sense of longing. M and the new zombie crew look toward R for what to do, and a crazy plan is hatched. R is going to save Julie with his new squad. 
We flash back to Perry lamenting on love and the point of it all, discovering that his remaining consciousness is forcing R to watch, helping Perry clasp onto the last dregs of life. Okay, I get that they need to have all these Perry flashbacks, and I'm going to let you get back to the recap, but it annoys me (laughs) so much that for every chapter we get that pushes the story forward with cool zombie spiritual revolution breaking into the humans stadium we flash back every other chapter to Perry's life. And it's all stuff that we could have inferred. Like originally seeing Perry and Julie's relationship was necessary to understand what's going on in the present story. But as it goes forward, it's like more and more details that probably could have been cut. But the book is so short. I don't know that you could cut anything out and still have it be a novel length. So kind of stuck between a rock yeah, and a true. hard place on that one. It doesn't stand alone as well as it should. The future scenes. Mm. I felt very much in this moment kind of like R being trapped by Perry. Like, okay, fuck, we have to see these scenes because Perry has trapped R's consciousness. Damn you finish it. the Perry scene and R is like, I know, right? That guy bothered me too. <laughs> I mean, they're breaking all kinds of metaphysical barriers. I would love a fourth wall break where R speaks directly to the reader. Returning to R and his new zombie crew, he continues his evolution into something new, denying the chance at a scrumptious human snack on the way to the stadium. As they approach the stadium and the chance to see Julie, R comes up with a harebrained scheme. He's just going to run right up to the ding-dang front door. He cleans himself up in an abandoned home, then rushes the front gates with his zombie crew hamming it up behind Hashtag him. zombie glow up. He goes undetected by the guards, passing as human, as they stand agape watching the remaining zombies run like humans. R flees into the stadium and into the world of the living. Yeah, they got to work on their security checks. This is a post 9-11 world. People. <laughs> yeah, and probably more atrocities because it's referenced that there are big wars, plagues, famines, all of these things. You'd think they would know how to tighten up security a little bit better. But I mean, well, I guess that it's been inferred the whole book. He basically looks alive. What bothers me is that there's one guy at a door checking this stuff. There's the team of like soldiers, but they go running after this person and like they know that somebody got past them who's alive. But like if you got bit out there. And you got let in, like, how quickly are people turning after they get bit that this isn't an issue? Like, oh, if he's able to run past me, they should be yeah. like hunting this guy down, whoever he is, in theory. Now inside the stadium city, R follows Julie's scent through the city streets. The voices of all the living he's consumed echoes through him as he walks, granting us a view of how society collapses. He takes a brief pause at a zombie killing school for just a little peek then continues his hunt for Julie. Eventually, as the sun goes down, he finds Julie's home. He watches her journal from the shadows like a creepy zombie before revealing himself to her. Yeah, she is doing audio journaling, which is convenient so that R can both hear her voice and know where she lives and realize that she misses him. Because she's just like on her balcony screaming into this microphone, apparently. <laughs> with I mean other people would be walking by I guess there's a curfew so the guards would hear her but she is talking about falling in love with a zombie very loudly outside seems kind of buck wild Julie's surprisingly excited to see him urging him into her home and asking if she would be turned if they were to kiss she R and her roommate Nora spend the evening getting to know one another our reading ends as R and Julie argue about hope and R discovers he's relearning how to read. Yeah, Julie's friend Nora is surprisingly chill with this turn of events. 
it takes her very little convincing to be on board with like, oh, he's cute. He's undead. You say crazy. <laughs> anyway, do you speak? What's it like being a zombie? Like she just leans into it. Oh, you it. dressed up like a human? You're in living drag. You're in drag. She keeps saying that. And it's like, I don't think you know what drag means. It's been a while since society collapsed. She's a little bit confused, <laughs> I think, on how that all works no, no, out. No, no. The only things that survive in the stadium culturally are how to kill a zombie, how to grow food, and drag shows. Okay. An interestingly balanced society. RuPaul is actually the mayor of this particular stadium city. What a twist that would be in the final part of the reading. They capture R and bring him before the mayor, and it's fucking RuPaul. Like, whoa. What a crazy inclusion. I wonder if he signed up on this. The queen of drag and the new world. Well, that concludes the reading for the week. I, I liked it. I mean, it's a very interesting story. Certainly, there are moments, Perry related specifically, that I'm kind of like, all right, we can keep this moving along, but I'm looking forward to the end of this book. I, I can't wait to finish it. Can't wait for the movie. A lot of romance books that we've read tread water a little bit in the middle of the book where the characters meet, they start interacting, and then the middle of the book is kind of them just going back and forth until whatever conclusion comes up. This book is mm. just something's happening every single chapter. The characters are moving from location to location, coming up with new th- every chapter they're growing and changing. And yeah, well, those Perry yeah. chapters aren't like super exciting to me. They're a little on the boring side. They're at least every one of those moments does kind of in, like influence ours decision-making or reflects it in some way. So mm-hmm. it feels like it's stuff still happening even when I'm bored. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm really excited to watch the movie after we finish the book for next week. Cause we have six chapters left, watch the movie and that will be right before Halloween. So it's going to be like really channeling that spooky energy for our howl and scream spooklocular. Yeah, featuring Mac W. Mani, MC extraordinaire. It's going to be an incredible event. One for the ages, I would say. It, it, probably our best. One for all ages. Hollow Scream. Well, 21 and up. Well, no. Yeah, I wouldn't even say 18. I would say 21. Like, 25 I mean, and up. If you can't rent a car. Yeah. Can't. You know what? If you're not in your 40s, get the fuck out. Yeah, honestly, we've seen the demographics and all three of you who are in your 40s, this is for you. We're making this <laughs> exclusively for you. Everybody else, sorry. Okay, Boomer. You got it. If you're a 40-year-old and you're enjoying our product, you can get a hold of us at grbooknook at gmail.com. Like propositioning them. <laughs> well, I mean, if they want to buy any of our haunted our items. Oh, yeah. If you're interested in any of the haunted items, you can definitely reach out to us. Give them the address again, Lucky. That's grbooknook at gmail.com. We're also on the tweeters, the Instagrams, at grbooknook. Be sure to share the show with your friends. As I mentioned earlier, we've only got five episodes left after this before the finale of the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. Lucky and I will be back in the new year with a new project. More information on that to come. I want to say thank you to God Mode for the use of their song Secret Job, our intro and outro music. Oh, spooky. Man, I just love spooky season. It's so nice to have a theme that scares me a little bit before the episode. Spooky, kooky, ooky. That's God Mode, baby. Our next episode on Warm Bodies, our last episode on Warm Bodies, is going to be out on October 29th. That's going to double as our howl and scream spook macular Featuring DJ Lucky, yes, and we will have a special guest from the tomb, from the crypt, here to join us. A legally distinguishable guest, I might <laughs> the add. The best kind, since we don't get sued. Now, Mac, through the course of this reading, obviously, it's gotten me thinking, how does one survive this specific zombie apocalypse? Do you, do you have any tips for our fans out there if they're, they find themselves in a warm body situation six, seven years past apocalypse and the zombies are becoming humans again? That's a great question, Lucky, and I have the perfect answer. I would not. I would just get killed. Because obviously- You just book, lean into it? And obviously in this book, if you become a zombie, you get to live forever. 
you get to fall in love and relive all the great memories of the people you've eaten. It seems like humanity should die out and the zombies should take over, in my opinion. I guess it's important to have a super macabre opinion right before Halloween to give everyone the real spooks. I guess you're right. The zombies should take over, kill everyone and move on. Except no, <laughs> that's not how it's done. You know how I would survive this zombie apocalypse? Well, if, assuming I'm not a zombie to kill you, then how would you survive? Well, okay. I'm coming for you and I'm hungry. Well, would you turn me or eat me? Mm, I'll never tell. I don't like, I don't like that if, if, or, I mean, shit. Well, I guess you don't remember your past. Well, okay. My survival strategy comes down to three points. Mm. Cars, nunchucks, <laughs> and chastity. And chastity, yeah. Because you, if you fall in love with a zombie girl, it's game <laughs> over, man. She's definitely going to get turned if she kisses it. It's just a fuck <laughs> for sure. You're like, chastity is the most important survival thing. <laughs>